I got off the line with Saint, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name, of Fabled Hunters about two hours ago, hour ago, something like that. We started talking right around five and chatted for about an hour. And I don't like having questions prepared for interviews. I've done a few interviews in my life of different people back in the Gamergate era. If you all remember that, I think that was around 2012 that all was going on. I was writing for a website, a, a, a little barely recognized website. We did some game reviews and some different things. And... I interviewed multiple music composers. I guess that's kind of given. What other kind of composer is there? I don't know. But composers for video game music specifically. And I don't even remember how that happened, like how I kind of got in that niche. But I believe it started with the fella, and I'm blanking on his name. I could do a little research to figure out what it is, that did the voice of the narrator in Bastion for Supergiant Games' first game, Bastion. And then, somehow, that led to interviewing Austin, uh, Austin Wintry, who did the music for, I think, Journey, and um, a few other video games. Uh, this is eight, nine years ago at this point, so I'm blinking. I interviewed the fella that did the music for... Um, Dishonored, I think he also did the music for Dexter, the opening theme song. And if it wasn't him, then it was one of the other guys that I interviewed. And I never went into any of those with more than maybe a question. I might have some one or two questions at most written down. And it was more just to kind of get things rolling. I had nothing written down for Saint, and I had... Almost nothing written down for the interview that I did the other day with the artist that drew Shiana. He also did uh, Mount Heroic, Channel Mount Heroic, um, New Horizon, Dread Screamer, and I think there's one other card. I think it's a warrior card. I'm, I'm, I don't remember the name. I can picture it in my head. Push forward or something? No, it's not that card. Anyhow. He's done about a half dozen different cards that have come out thus far. I, I think maybe more are on the way. Forget. I think we covered that in the, in the interview. For some reason, the interview with the artist, Mihail, I think I'm saying his name right, for Shiana. I know he's done that one. Something kind of got gobbledygooked on my end of the audio. I listened to it multiple times. I thought it was bad. His side is more or less fine. It's my side that's not great. So I sent him the video that I made. There's no video of he, he and I, so I just have pictures of Shiana playing throughout it, and I asked him, what do you think of this? If he doesn't like it, and he thinks, no, that's not great, and, and I'm not a huge fan of the audio, but it's, it's okay, and I don't want to intrude on his time to do a whole nother interview, even though he did say if it's bad, we can redo it, we can, we can do another take. It was only 30 minutes, so it's not like this giant, I mean, I don't know, but he said he's busy all the time. He's, he said he wakes up, and is drawing and painting, then he'll have something to eat during the day, but that's pretty much all he does is, is work on paintings. And he can get three, or one done every three-ish days. That's kind of the, that's a fast one. It depends on what it is, how much detail. For Shiana, he said that it took, no, I'm not going to say exactly how long, but longer than that. And 
The thing that really stood out to me, and this isn't giving too much away of the interview, but the thing that stood out to me about that interview and about Shiana, I don't know how much this is true of the other cards because we were primarily talking about Shiana, was how much of a, a brief, is what he called it, that LSS gave him. They gave him multiple pages, not just, I asked him, I said, well, what did they, what did they ask for? Did they just say, do you want a uh, attractive gal and then an age range? He said, no, 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 they gave me way more than that. And he kind of skimmed through reading these, I think it was two plus pages of information. There was a little story at the beginning talking about light and darkness and then talking about what her role is in Solana and then just all this backstory about what she is and what she does and, and what they envision for this character and as well as what she's supposed to be wearing. She needs to look regal. She should have something that gives her an air of, I, I don't remember if this is the exact wording, but it's what I take from that memory and from what I've seen. Some aristocracy. They, they, there was a, uh, information about her having a, a ceremonial blade and being adept in different forms of combat so that she's not just you know just a pretty face and not just a diplomat but she can she can scrap too and he managed to get all of that in that picture she looks very capable she's not somebody that is just sitting around she has the the musculature that you would expect on somebody that's done some combat training I mean Vera and I watch a fair bit of UFC and she doesn't have a, a body type that is totally foreign to that world I mean, she's wearing a very nice dress, and so that would be very odd to see, even for a walkout. But that aside, um, she she does she's not a how do I say this? Some just uh, the the phrase I keep on wanting to come to, and I kind of stop when I get to it is a soft body, somebody that just sits around and eats pastries and oh go and do the things my plebeian plebeian blah 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 that she doesn't look like that she looks like she could she could handle herself if she got caught in a dark alley and I'm not going to go into all of the bits of that interview because it's going to come out um assuming Mihail likes it but the thing that really stood out to me about Saint in our interview without giving too much of it away is how just time after time the people in this community are genuinely good people. I have yet to meet anybody in the entire sphere of any interactions that I've had with all of flesh and blood that had an ill will or was nasty or rude. It's, it, I mean, they've been the, some of the kindest people, nicest people, and you might be wondering, compared to what? Well, it's, it's not really compared to anything. I suppose it's kind of compared to the the general public that I interact with out on the road when I'm driving or waiting in line to purchase some groceries at a grocery store or just the people about. But there's a genuine, true love of this game. And it really reminds me, and this is something that I want to talk about more in depth with Vera in one of our podcasts, but it reminds me of a... How, 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 what angle do I come at this from? Because what it reminds me of is jujitsu in a way. And I think the reason that it reminds me of jujitsu is because when you go to jujitsu, if you've ever done it, if you haven't, it doesn't really matter. What I'm going to tell you is true of my experience. 
People are going to learn a skill that they can get better at. And your progress with jujitsu is unquestionably clear. There is no ambiguity about, am I actually getting better at this? I can't speak to any other martial art whatsoever. Not really. My dad taught me how to throw a karate punch, but I mean, that's about it. He, he did some, apparently he taught karate to some level back when he lived in San Rafael, California, ages and ages ago. But I didn't get to, I didn't go anywhere with, with karate. When you go to jujitsu, there is no question about whether you're getting better or not. You know for an undeniable fact that you are better this week than you were last week or this month than you were the, 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 the month before. When I first went to train jujitsu, I was demolished by everyone. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter how big they were. I was getting tapped out by uh, girls that were 20 pounds lighter than me. They'd crawl onto my back and choke me out, and I couldn't do anything about it. I mean, I m was probably stronger than them, but strength only gets you so far. And this was either a brown belt or a black belt that I'm talking about. So I had no chance against her. I mean, truly none. I, I was stronger than her, but she would just, she knew how to slip past those strengths, get her hooks in around my, if you if you watch jiu-jitsu, if, you, if you've practiced any grappling, you know what I'm talking about, get her hooks in, get a seatbelt locked in, get me in a rear naked choke, and all I could do was either pass out or go tap, you got me, you got me. And I knew enough to know I can't get out of this. That happened week after week, and you drill, you'd learn some new things, and then as time went on, as Vera and I started going to Summit BJJ in Seattle and went from complete novices to having white belts and getting a first stripe on our white belt, and then other new bloods would come in, people that had just walked in off the street, oh yeah, I heard about this, I wanted to give it a shot, and we would destroy them, and it wasn't even close. And I'm not saying we would hurt them, that's the nice thing about grappling, is that there's, yeah, you'd get some bruises, but there's no, it's not a it's not a striking sport, so so the, the, the damage is usually maybe, I mean, the, the worst I ever got hurt with jujitsu was some hard bruises because of squeezing and trying to get out of something, or in the rare cases where something would slip. You've got these two limbs that are next to each other and an elbow slips out and you're cracked in the, in the jaw or something, but you've got a mouth guard and it's, oh, and it's just a sudden little minor thing. That happened, I don't know, once a month kind of thing is very rare. I mention all of this about jiu-jitsu because flesh and blood reminds me of jiu-jitsu and how driving home from an armory, Vera and I were talking about the different things that we could have done. How do we beat that, 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 that Kano, that Briar? What are we supposed to do against that? And we're talking about the pitching. Should we pitch these things? Should we defend that? Should we have used a defense reaction in this instance? And those are all choices that we had Abs that we could we can we can reflect on and we could go well this is something that we could do next time if a briar if I'm facing down a briar and they've got a ball lightning followed by another ball lightning should I defend and I've got one car in hand and it's two reds it's two red ball lightnings which I believe is three and three I think they're three the blue ball lightnings come in for a one okay so it's one two and three it's not two three four 
Yeah, I guess a, a ball like red ball lightning at four would be just stupid. That'd be nuts. Yeah, they all threaten that additional one, right? Yeah. So that base damage, the physical damage, with the, the other threatened, um, is one, two, or three. Do you defend the first one? Do you use your armor? When do you use your armor? These are all things that you can reflect on. Whereas in other games that I've played, there isn't nearly as much reflection. There are maybe a couple of turns where you think, yeah, maybe I should have played this. Maybe I should have wiped the board at this point a turn sooner as opposed to that that turn. Maybe I shouldn't have put that to the bottom when I scryed. I guess I've kind of given away the game. Um, <laughs> the jinx up. The jigs up. Maybe I should have left that on top because then I would have drawn it. But it's nowhere near the number of decisions and thinking involved with that game as there is with, with Flesh and Blood. And I think that's what's so rewarding about Flesh and Blood is when you get that and you start to see the patterns for your particular hero or your particular build. And you can change a lot with a couple of cards. I mean, a couple, for example, one card made all the difference between winning or losing. You trying to come over here? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> between an old, and admittedly, it was just a casual match. It was an old match that I was playing. What are you looking for? Or, uh, what do you mean? The box of it? Isn't that, isn't that two row? Where did it go? Where's our Tales of Aria? Folks, what did we do with it? Um. You threw it away. I threw it away. No, it's right there. Oh. <laughs> um. I was playing Kasai. It was at a casual meetup. It wasn't an official armory. And Kasai has been my go-to hero recently. I like Warrior. I like how they play. And I really like Kasai's style. I like the... I didn't even know... I, I have sat down with Kasai in front of me two dozen plus three to 50 times at this point. And I didn't notice until today when I was looking up to see how much a rainbow, rainbow foil version of her is, which is about two bucks, I didn't realize that her border had this lava look to it. And that made me think, oh, I had no idea. She's from Volcor. Interesting. I, I know they have little stories attached to them, so let me pull that up and read hers. Across the scorched wastes of Volcor. I guess if I'd read that, I would have figured it out. Generals clash in their quest for power. While the generals are trapped in endless warfare, not every fight is won on the battlefield. Sometimes, the greatest threats come from within. Kasai was once the daughter of a powerful... Was once a daughter? Interesting, what happened? Okay, we'll read on. Was once a daughter of a powerful general, well-versed in the language of war. As the eldest child, she was the heir to her father's legacy, her childhood lost to years of training, preparing for the day that she would take the reins. But that day never came. In a cruel twist of fate, Kasai lost everything in a single night, as her father was overthrown by his own lieutenant. While she escaped with her life, she was forced to leave her family behind. As she wandered the deserts, searching for food and water, Kasai stumbled across the Centauri, 
a group of bloodthirsty brigands who sought the thrill of battle. Recognizing her skill with the blade, they inducted Kasai into their ranks. With them, she could lie low and bide her time, gathering wealth and power as she waits for her chance to strike. Between the dangerous lava beasts, wandering ronin, and rampant highwaymen, there are plenty of targets for a fight. However, in recent times, word has spread of unrest within the royal court, rumors of wizards struggling to control their abilities. As the generals grow increasingly aggressive in their quest for power, Kasai senses an opportunity to raise an army, overthrow the traitor lieutenant, and free her family from his clutches. At long last, Kasai might finally have the opportunity to reclaim what is rightfully hers. Okay. Um, that's cool. I had not read that before, which is kind of silly, considering I've played her so many times. But, here we are. I, I like that idea, and I've written a Shiana story, which I sent to Saint, because we were talking about where our channels have come from. He was asking me how we got to where we're at, and what drew me to Flesh and Blood, and the channel. I mean, the, the interview was it meandered. We talked about investing. We talked about Black Swan events. I asked him about that. I asked him why, when things like uh, a new COVID variant comes about, why do the markets dip? And he explained that to me. And I, I didn't realize that retail investors make up as much of the market as, as he said they do. I thought it was like, I don't know, less than 5%, honestly. But he was saying it's probably closer to about 20%. I, I was surprised by that. And so if 20% or even half of that 20, 10% do something, it's going to have an effect on the market. Go figure. I, just things I, I didn't know. Rudy talks about this kind of thing a lot on Alpha Investments, but some of what he says just kind of flies over my head. And I'm not even really sure what to Google because he's saying this investment stuff. <sighs> He's got an audience, and while I understand a lot of what he's saying, I don't understand everything. And it, it's just it's it's one of those things that if you don't have somebody to ask, then it's it's hard to know wh what to even look for. I mean, I could look up certain terms, but if if that singular term is encased in a whole idea, how do I search for that idea? I, I, I don't have a good example, but. All I do know is there are certain times where he's talked about investing things or market this or that, and I just, I'm not really sure what he's talking about. And that's, it's fine. I'm not thinking that he needs to dumb it down for an idiot like me. All I'm saying is that I just, I don't follow along sometimes. And now, here I was across from Saint who knows some of this stuff, and so I asked him. And he answered some of my questions, which was really cool of him. Uh, it just... It, it reinforces this conversation that I had with Saint, the conversation that I had with Mihail, that the people involved in this game from every level, I've, I've now talked to an artist, I've talked to multiple players, I've interviewed a couple of the local players here, I've talked to somebody that owns far more cards than I do. I mean, he's got a channel called Fabled Hunter, so that's like, he's, 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 he's kind of a, I don't know, I asked him what he, what he, what in terms of percentages, how he how he classifies himself. And he said, first, he's a collector, second, a player, and last, an investor. And I don't remember the exact percentages, but that's how he ordered it. 
and he he likes this game. He cares about it. He's he talks to the people at LSS on a I don't know how often exactly, but on a, on a regular enough basis that he he wouldn't be spending the money on the game. I mean, it seems kind of obvious to say if he didn't like it and didn't believe in it to some degree, and it seems like he believes in it to a great degree. There's something about the interviews that I've seen with James White. There's something about the gameplay and the people and every factor of this game that has spoken to me and that, I mean, from what I understand of what a gut reaction is, it's your years of experience coming together in a singular moment to inform you of a thing. And when it comes to flesh and blood, my gut reaction has been, this is a good thing. Now you might say, well, does your gut reaction tell you that it's going to be around for years to come because you know what? I don't know if I want to drop X dollars on a card or cards or boxes or cases. I don't know. I have no idea. I can't possibly foretell the future beyond like maybe an hour. And even that hour is a rough guess. I could tell you what I anticipate to happen and what I think to decent degree of accuracy, what will happen after I'm finished recording this video, what the rest of my night looks like. I have a vague idea of tomorrow, also Tuesday, because Tuesdays follow a pretty typical pattern for me with what I do for work. Beyond that, it starts to get really muddy. And that's for three days of time. A year from now, I have no clue. I have no clue whatsoever. I, I couldn't, I, I mean, there are things that have happened in the last 12 hours that I could not have possibly, not even close to anticipated. And you might say, well, yeah, of course, that happens every day. Did you know that you were going to eat XYZ or that your coffee was going to be this temperature? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about finishing Desert Stars, being done with that. I, I brush my hands like I'm not going to be touching it ever again. That's not true because I still have to record another 16, 17 chapters. I think chapter 79, I think, just came out. But I still have to record all of those chapters. I still have to edit all of that recording. And then I still have to make videos out of all of that. So I'm still going to be doing something with Desert Stars for probably about a month from now. Maybe a little bit longer. But that's all behind the scenes that... You, the fans of this channel will never have any view of unless I make some sort of behind the scenes video, but then that's a whole nother endeavor that I've got to do. So that will just happen on its own as far as you're concerned. Videos will come out on Mondays and Thursdays as they have for the past eight, nine months longer. I just looked today to see when that first, very first Desert Stars video came out and it came out, I think it was January 7th of this year. So it will have been a year Aside from that, what was it, July or August that we took off for a little break there? <clears throat> I still haven't heard from Mad Cow, folks. I don't. I hope the guy's okay. I have no idea. It's been four months at this point since I've heard a peep from him. So, yeah, I really hope he's safe and sound and, and just has just kind of decided to not use the internet or something. I have no idea. But... The way I've I calculated it, the final chapter of Desert Stars will come out on on uh, February 7th, I believe it is. I think it's the first Monday of February. Well, that gives me all of the rest of December, all of January, 
two plus months to work on the next thing that's coming out. I've already started writing a, a, a singular, I've written two stories actually now for um, Flesh and Blood. One is going to remain behind the scenes for a little while at least. Just, we're going to see what happens with that one. And I'm writing one that's based about, based on, inspired by the Meeps. The Meeps are, well, it's this thing. I described it to Saint because I was telling him a little bit about the story. I described it as a, a lynx with the ears, kind of those tufts ears, the long pointed tuffy ears. A monkey and a squirrel. Seems accurate-ish to me. And they're described as these kind of mischievous little furry, fuzzy, silly characters that go around and they hang around the Everfest and they, they like to swipe Sparkly things, jewels, potions, baubles, scarves, anything that they can get their greedy little paws on. I don't know what they do with that stuff. That's still probably not something that I'll explore in the story because whatever. There's certain things that are sort of better left to mystery. They probably just collect it and they don't do anything with it. They probably just hoard it and I don't know. It's like, what does a dragon do with his gold? Well, he doesn't do anything with it. He just gets it and sits on it. Yeah, but what does he do with it? I just told you, he doesn't do anything with it. He just sits on it. Like, that. that is what he does. So I imagine the Meeps are fairly similar. They just, maybe they go and give it to dragons, for all I know. I, I don't mean, you don't see dragons flying around. Like, when, when when exactly do the dragons get the gold? And how do they bring it back to their lairs? Hmm? Meeps? Huh? Maybe? I don't know. But the story I'm writing, it'll probably be 1,000, under 2,000 words, 50, 1,500, somewhere in that range, is about the Meeps and a girl that has something to do with them and her dad and her mom and they're all part of the Everfest and it's part of this large community because thanks to reading that lore book, it's this travel, it's a carnival, it's a traveling band of people and they've got maintenance folks and, and, and seamstresses and, and all the various performers and acrobats and jugglers and, and fire breathers and oracles and sages and potion makers and and it's like a giant renaissance fair but the real thing and not just a bunch of silly people pretending and speaking in old-timing English which you know if you're into that that's cool I was into it when I was younger I got a, a rabbit whistle I had a little rabbit like pan flute made of clay and you know it, had, it was like hunched and you had a hole three four different size holes and you basically French kissed this clay rabbit to make music from it which is or either it was either Mouth to mouth or mouth to butt. I can't remember which it was. It was either the tail and then the music came out of its face or it was the face and the music came out of its back end. Anyways, I didn't think anything of, uh, anything of it at the time, but now that I am, 20 odd years later, I find that very strange. I would wear it around my neck on this leather strap and pretend to know what I was doing and definitely not. I had this little paper notebook that came along with it that told you how to play like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and Mary Had a Little Lamb and I think I tried to follow along with that twice ever and then I was like I'll just pretend like I do with the harmonica very very much like I do with the harmonica I don't know what I'm doing I just fart around with it what is the heck does that have to do with flesh and blood well the Everfest carnival is coming it's coming do 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 the carnival is coming which is, it's neat. It's neat to be part of this new era of flesh and blood. Vera and I were not playing. We didn't even really know of it as a thing when Crucible of War came out. So there's all this 
unknown surrounding Everfest. What heroes will be in it? Will there be heroes? Will they do as they did with Crucible of War and make only young heroes that are Blitz-friendly only? Or, or will they do adult-only heroes? Will they do adult versions of all the ones that they did in, in uh, Crucible of War? I don't think so. I don't think so. I've never been in the game of predictions because I don't, I mean, they can be fun. You can say, oh, I predict that we'll see this. I guess I'm not going to sit here and make a whole bunch of predictions, but I, I will make a guess, I suppose. It's not really a prediction because I don't have a whole lot of information or, I don't know, uh, experience with the game to base anything that I know of flesh and blood Gee whiz, that sentence was going downhill fast. I can't make an educated guess about what might be in Everfest. What I can do is take what I know from the lore of Everfest and say, I think this will be in it. And I think that we will see some piece of artwork with a meep in it. That makes me think now, as I'm saying that, that we maybe we would see a reprint of Snatch. That wouldn't surprise me. I'm not saying that we will see a reprint of Snatch, because I think reprints would be done for things that we need. You could see a reprint of a card like Snatch in a draftable set, because it might make sense in the draft environment, and oh hey, it's been a few years, maybe the price is going up, and people are, are wanting that card. It's it, it, it works a lot, and the only ones that exist are the Alpha and Unlimited print from Welcome to Wraith, so it is rising up in price. I'm talking like five odd years down the road and people, there's a deck that really utilizes Snatch. I would be very surprised to see a Snatch in Everfest. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I wouldn't be surprised to see something like it. Some, a plunder run type of thing. Some, I don't know exactly how it would work. I have no idea, but I am envisioning a meep that steals something. Maybe, maybe we'll see uh, uh, silver or, or gold, some some way to generate those things. Kasai generates copper if she swings twice and you get a copper per per hit. Maybe we'll have a, a hero that, if you do, maybe, it, maybe it'll be a a new guardian, maybe a, a young guardian. Uh, Bravo's got a couple friends that, that followed him on his journey, or, or he followed them on, on, on the journey, I suppose, is more accurate. Maybe we'll have one of them, and if they do an attack that's maybe it'd be like kind of like a crush effect if five or more damage is dealt anytime with an I don't know exactly the, the wording but if you did five or more damage in a turn in, in a single hit you'd get a gold or or a silver and then oh now we can play cash in in in, in a similar way that Kasai plays cash in for this new guardian I don't know that'd be interesting just throwing stuff out there it was fun talking to both Mihail and learning about the, the lore and how much care went into the creation of Shiana. I mean, that's one card. And yeah, she was a large card to that set. She was a large draw to that set. She was a legendary card, is a legendary card. So I don't know if the same amount of information goes into all of the, the cards. I would imagine probably not. Probably not for, like, I don't know. I'm looking at... A card like, uh, like Sharpen Steel. I, I, I don't think that there would be as much information and backstory and lore about Sharpen Steel as there is for a hero card. That's, it's not quite the same. 
But I don't know. Maybe there is. Maybe they put that amount. Maybe LSS puts these the uh, a page plus about every single thing that they send out to artists. I, I'm not sure. The one last thing that Mihail, that I'll mention of the Mihail interview that really stood out to me was how he said that they were very serious from the very first contact. Their their contact with him was professional and serious and he could pick up, and he's been part of projects where that wasn't the case, which it made it stand out that this these people were, they, they were the real deal. That seems to be a common theme with what I hear from people that have interacted with LSS. It seems to be the case that I've picked up on when I watch interviews with James White. And all of those things point to this being a really cool thing to be part of. And I know we didn't get in on the ground floor, but, you know, <clears throat> playing now is kind of like playing, I don't know what came out two years into the Magic the Gathering's history, but Arabian Nights or something, Antiquities, some the Dark, somewhere in that range. So if you're play, if you started playing Magic back around then, and you sit down, you're playing Commander with somebody, and maybe they got some ancient card, and you go, "What set is that from?" And they go, "Oh, that's a of this card." And you're like, "Whoa, when did you? Where'd you get that?" And they go, oh, "I've been playing since then. These are cards that I've had since I was X years old." Holy crap! Well, that's 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 really cool. When I told Saint about this box of cards that Vera and I purchased with all these Welcome to Wraith and Arcane Rising um, first edition cards, rares. I said, there was an investment side of it, but it wasn't like, let's spend X dollars and hope that it doubles in this amount of time. We need to turn $500, or in this case, $1,100, into $2,200. And as soon as it, the, everything in that box is worth $2,200, we will go on to the, the flesh and blood marketplaces and say, here's a box, here's what's in it, we paid this much, here's what we'd like, it's, that's what it's worth according to TCG Player Low. It, the first person to offer us $2,200 gets it, and somebody goes, oh, I'll, I'll buy it. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking to have a piece of history. And yes, of course, as with a purchase like that, you 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 would rather it go up in value as opposed to down, but it's it's not, from my perspective, it's not for the sole purpose of selling it. If it comes a time or a point where we need to sell it for some reason, yeah, we're going to want it to be worth more than we paid for it. Of course, that's, yeah. But, I don't know, it's holding two opposing ideas in your mind at once, and humans are really good at that. I enjoy this game. I enjoy where things are going. The out-of-print woes that people have been experiencing on certain places, certain, certain... I don't even want to call it a community because it's not like a community. It's just, what what do you call a group of people? A demographic? Certain demographic, I guess? Yeah, that works. That, that, that It could encompass anybody that fits within that demographic. The demographic of people that live in this zip code. Okay, the demographic of Arizonans, that demographic. So there's a, there is a demographic of people that think that those three sets, Crucible of War, Arcane Rising, and Welcome to Wrath, which is amusing to me that it, it went backwards. Crucible War was the most recent of those, and then went... I wonder what the thinking was there. It's just, it's curious. I'm not upset. It doesn't bother me in the least. 
I've seen people saying, oh, that's the set that I got into the game with. Welcome to Wraith. It's the first one I played. And the, 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 the heroes now are so much more complicated. You've got talent. You've got light and shadow. And what in the heck even are those things? And you've got lightning and, and earth and, and, and ice and oh, five things. It's so much. How am I ever going to teach this to somebody new? I've heard that. And I don't agree with it. Not in the least. Not like not at all. To me, that's like saying trying to think of a good analogy of like what that is. I don't want to talk about magic. I guess it'd be like a cook and all they've ever had for spices in their kitchen for the last year. They work out of Denny's and they're back there and they put salt or pepper on the thing and salt and pepper. And then one day the Denny's ingredient manager comes along and says, hey, we've got a new sauce that we're going to put on some of the dishes. It's going to, it's the, it's the Denny's sauce. It's the, it's the Grand Slam splash that people can ask for. What? Grant, how am I going to teach the people that I come in and to work at Denny's how to put a Grand Slam splash on things? How am I going to, all I've been doing is teaching them how to put salt or pepper, salt or pepper, pepper or salt, sometimes double pepper, sometimes double salt, sometimes double salt, sometimes single pepper. You want to throw in this whole new element? Well, that's not all, Mr. Cook. We're also going to be offering Coca-Cola and Pepsi. What? That's not all. There's going to be Dr. Pepper on the menu. What? What? Ah, ah, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't handle it. That cook. I, I mean, I, I don't know what. Or, or me with writing. Like, I know a lot of words. I know hundreds of words. I probably only use, it'd be interesting to see, to take the entire document of Desert Stars and see how many unique words there are that are in there. But if somebody comes along and teaches me a new word and I go, boy, I sure like that word, I'm going to start using it. I'm not going to be confused by how to use and when to use it. I, I'm going to incorporate it. Teaching a new player about fusing isn't that difficult? If you have an ice card in your hand and you use a, a flake out, you can show your opponent that polar blast, that ice quake, and flake out now does another thing. I don't know what that one does. I think it's discard or... Yeah, what's that one do? Gains dominate. There you go. Oh, what's dominate? Oh, that's already in the game. That's been in the game. So if you do this, it gets that thing that was already in the game. James White has said, and said this in the interviews around the time of Monarch, that... The game was meant to have the talent system in it. That's the full version of the game. So if anything, Welcome to Wraith, Arcane Rising, and Crucible Bull of War were the training wheel set, were the, the introduction, hey, let's beta test, let's make sure the world can handle this. It is a slightly more complex game than other ones that have been out there. It's not the most complex game. It's not the simplest game. It is it, it's different. So let's, let's ease the the world into this. Let's not go full hog on this. Now that we've got a ground floor and there are hundreds, thousands of people that know how to play this, let's bring out this new stuff. They brought out Kano. They had a wizard. I mean, Kano's probably the hardest character to hero to learn in the entire game. He's the most complicated, whack, janky doodle fart that there is. I don't even understand what's going on. I've tried playing him a couple times. I don't freaking, I mean... I, I get it 
in a conceptual sense, but I don't know how to pilot him successfully. Like if I took him to an armory, I'd just get blown out. I, I've, I'd seen people doing things on my turn, so I was like, I'll do that. That's the thing to do. Well, not necessarily. It's Choices matter with that guy, and I don't know which ones are the important ones. He's way more complicated, way more complicated than, I don't know, Oldham or or even Briar. It's like, you do two of this and you get a thing. Well, that's not hard. So I do not buy the argument that it's so complicated and LSS is making this huge mistake. I don't believe that for a moment. I, no. I look forward to what this game has, as I've said dozens of times, and we'll probably say hundreds of times yet. And the one thing that I think would, um, like, kind of lock it in as this is a thing that people are going to be showing up for and having casual events for, and, I mean, I just sort of cement it as a staple of gaming right there alongside the likes of D&D and Fortnite and Monopoly is PvE. And I didn't know, but Saint said that James said back during the, the release of Monarch in an interview, I gotta go back and watch this, he apparently confirmed PvE. I gotta watch the interview to see where he says that. I don't know if it was like a wink and a nod kind of thing, or a, well, I can't say, but I am saying, I, I don't know. I don't, maybe full on said, yes, that's, that's coming. It seems like it's very possible. And there's definitely enough community clamor wanting that, that if it isn't a thing already planned, I'm going to be very surprised if we didn't see it one day. I'm hoping sooner rather than later because I just know it would be a lot of fun and something that my wife and I have talked about and pined for many, many times is a game system where we don't have to bash each other's brains in, where we're not going at each other's throats, as is the case with this game right now. And while it's a fun challenge to do that, it would be cool to team up and I'm a healer or she's a healer and one of us is covering each other's back and maybe one's a tank and the other one's a, a rogue. Or That would be so much fun to go against a, a, um, a boss deck and you're drawing cards off the top to do things. The only thing that I would ask for, if LSS is ever going to click on this video and stick around for 45 minutes, is that the boss deck isn't super complicated. I would just be over the moon if it was pretty simple. I don't want it to have 13 different pieces and the special tiles that you've got to get three of, and if you forget those and you're out on the, well, forget it. It'd be very nice if it was just a single deck. So if you've got your hero, your your buddy, your wife, your spouse, your friend, your whoever's got their deck, and somebody brings the, the boss deck, and you're set. You, you probably have some dice with you if you if you don't like you don't need dice for this game at all. They're they're handy for for marking certain things, but it's not necessary. You could use little bits of paper or napkin at a Denny's. Speaking of which, Vera and I are gonna go on a Denny's date at some point in the not so distant future. We passed one, and I said it's been years since I've been to a Denny's. I have Denny. Why do I have Denny's on the mind? What's what's going on with Denny's? Anyhow, love you all. Bye.